When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to HeyYA. From great new books to favorite classic reads, new stories to the latest in on-screen adaptations, HeyYA is here to elevate the exciting world of young adult lit. HeyYA is a Book Riot podcast hosted by Erica Azabetti and me, Tears of Price. We are recording on September 23rd. And before we dive in, I wanted to tell you a little bit about a new book by us, Book Riot, not like Erica and me specifically, but by Um, It's called Reading the Stars, and it will better help understand your zodiac sign and how it shapes your reading life. So are you a Libra who prefers balance and fairness, or a Pisces whose emotional intelligence demands a vulnerable memoir? Reading the Stars offers book recommendations to help you build on your strengths, explore areas of growth, understand your own sign, and learn about others. So whether you know your birth chart by heart or you're just getting curious about astrology, Reading the Stars is for you. And Publishers Weekly even called Reading the Stars an ideal gift for bookworms with a celestial bent. Also, through October 31st, you can enter to win Book Riot's Reading the Stars with an obvious state celestial print, notebook, and tote bundle. So you can find the link to the giveaway in the show notes or by going to bookriot.com forward slash giveaways slash enter to win the reading stars by Book Riot with little dashes in between. But the show notes is probably easier. So that is Reading the Stars by Book Riot. And now, hello, Erica. How are you? Hi, Tirza. I'm doing pretty well. How are you? I am hanging in there. Listen. Friday. Okay. It's <laughs> all you can do is just hang in yes. there. We are all hanging in there. This is true. Oh my gosh. It got like really like we just all of a sudden out of nowhere hit this very like crisp fall lower temperatures. Love to see it. Yes, (laughs) I really do love it. Because like last week I feel like it was like 85, like literally just a couple days ago. So weird. It was 95, 95 on Tuesday and I drove by the lake and there were people in like swimsuits out on the beach. And right now it is 57 and it's cold and rainy and overcast outside. It's and I'm so like, weird. yes, I've come into my own. I am wearing long <laughs> sleeves. I am wearing this like wool cape thing that I think I'm yes. going to live in this winter. Yes. I'm here for it. Yes. All of it. Here for all of it. Exactly. Uh, you love to see it. Hmm. So we've got some fun news to share today. Mm -hmm. I swear every single time the National Book Award um, long list announcement seems to sneak up on me. Yeah. I thought it was a little bit later than usual this year, but then I was also like, oh my gosh, I forgot about it. So anyway. (laughs) Yes. The National Book Award for Young People's Literature, um, they they separated out by like fiction, nonfiction, poetry, there's even tr- a translation award. But then for young people's literature, they lump middle grade and YA all together, which mm. is not my favorite thing ever, but yeah. yes, 
take it up with the National Book Foundation. However, <laughs> the long list is excellent this year. It's great. It's chef's kiss, honestly. Yes. So it includes, I'll run through it really quickly, but you can click on the show notes to see um, the full list and a little bit more about it. The Ogress and the Orphans by Kelly Barnhill. The Life and Crimes of Hoodie Rosen by Isaac Bloom. A Thousand Steps into Night by Tracy Chi, which um, Erica, you have talked about a lot. Love it. Love it. Swim Team by Johnny Christmas, Self-Made Boys, a Great Gatsby remix by Anna Marie McLemore, um, which this is not the first time that a book by them has made the long list. Mm-hmm. Um, one of my favorites of the year, The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes. Yes. Victory Stand, Raising My Fist for Justice by Tommy Smith, Derek Barnes, and Dawad Anya Buile. Um, All My Rage by Sabata Here. Lotus Bloom and the Afro Revolution by Sherry Winston and Maisie Chen's Last Chance by Lisa Yi. So that is a nice, nice list. That's an excellent list. I'm I'm very pleased by it. I do not envy the judges, though, having yeah. to narrow them down. Yeah, I feel like I don't know. And this might just be some kind of like recency bias or something. I just feel like more and more really good YA books are being released each year. Mm-hmm. I just feel, not to say there were no good ones like a decade ago. I just feel like there are more being released. And I don't know if that is actually true or like I said, if it's just a confirmation bias from me. But like you said, just there's just so many. There are so many to choose from. Yeah. I like that a few, the, a few of the ones that we've talked about already are on here. Yeah, it always makes me feel like I'm on top of things when (laughs) books that I've read are on the list. Yeah, (laughs) Um, Because there have been some years where I'm like, huh, yeah, none of those were on my radar or I hadn't gotten around to any of those. So all of these, all of the YA ones, at least, I don't pay as much attention to middle grade. But all the YA ones, I've at least, if I haven't read them, they've at least like gotten onto my TBR before I saw the list. So that's... Like you said, it makes me feel like I'm, like I know what I'm talking about. I know. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes like with awards, some award years I I do like a really good job of like guessing. Yeah. And um some award years I'm like, you know, I'm not sure which way it's going to go because sometimes mm-hmm. I think there's more obvious picks than others. That's but, true. But yeah, and it's always interesting to see like how the National Book Awards list might differ from like the ALA awards, like the Prince yeah. and, and all that. So yeah, it is interesting. Yeah, we won't get into the ALA awards until February, but it is exciting to see all these good books. And I am super duper pleased to see like very obviously, like two very obviously queer YA books on mm-hmm. this list, which just so happens the theme of our episode we're going to be talking about both of these books we did not plan this it just happened Mm-mm. it just happened <laughs> it's nice <laughs> it happens like that so before we get into that um we are going to hear from our first sponsor okay erica do you want to i've been talking a lot do you want to take it away for the next part yes so we have our latin a books for latin a month which is going on, I don't know actually why they started in the middle of September, but it runs from like the middle of September to the middle of October. And it's just a celebration of 
Latin A culture and language and all of those great, fabulous things. And so we have a few books to celebrate, put put on your TBR for Latin A month and also every other month. The first one I wanted to talk about is, as you mentioned, Tirza, on the National Book Award uh, for Young People's Literature Long List by Anna Marie McLemore. And it is a retelling of The Great Gatsby. And so Anna Stay is getting their flowers, and for good reason. Um, Self-Made Boys by Anna Marie McLemore is the book I'm talking about in particular. And it is a trans and diverse Latin A retelling of The Great Gatsby. And I have to say that you can judge me for this, but I didn't really care for The Great Gatsby <laughs> when I read it. I don't it judge you for that. Okay. I do not judge you for that. I, I appreciate it. I really, I was like, not even that I didn't care for it. I was like, what is this? When I read it in high school. But I will say, I mean, I was a teenager, so that could make sense. But then I decided to reread it as an adult actually in preparation to read a non-YA book um, by Nevo called The Chosen and the Beautiful, if you're curious. But yes, when I reread it, I still thought it was a little dry and a little bare bones, but I appreciated it a lot more. I appreciated how it, to me, it kind of tore down the idea of like the American dream TM and how it's like so heavily tied to this fragile you know, concept of like race and class, which are just both constructs, um, specifically to the construct that is like whiteness and trying to achieve that. I love reading retellings of it for some reason, especially by authors of color and by queer authors, because I feel like I love to see the new ways they complicate that analysis and insert things into it that like weren't originally there or weren't Mm -hmm. as obvious. Because I feel like the Great Gatsby is actually queer. Like the original one is queer. Oh yeah. There's so much like homoerotic subtext. It's very, yes. It's like the elevator scene. I'm like, okay, so what? Well, not even the elevator. Like after the elevator, Nick Mm -hmm. woke up and I'm like, okay, he's in his drawers. All right. (laughs) (laughs) You're literally in your underpants, sir. Your pantaloons. So, um, yeah, so Mecklemore with this book has done just that. In this particular retelling, you have Nicolas Carabello, a 17-year-old trans Latin boy from Minnesota. It's 1922. He decides to go to New York City, not because he wants to turn into like a playboy or partake in like the glitz and glam, but because he wants to establish himself as a professional. So he comes to rent a small place from his cousin, Daisy Frabeck. Ooh, sorry, Daisy Fabrega. I don't know why my tongue was getting tied over that. Pardon me. Um, So Daisy is engaged to a wealthy man named Tom, who is just as racist as he was in the first book. So now what's interesting about Daisy is that now she's going by Daisy Faye. She's lightened her skin and she's passing for white. Mm. So again, that whole you know, trying to achieve whiteness, which was so, I think, present in the first one, but just stated from a white perspective. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So if you've read the original, then you know that Jay Gatsby is in love, or should I say obsessed with Daisy? I don't know if it's really love. That's another conversation. Um, And throws these, Jay throws these lavish parties in the hopes of currying favor with her. 
The twist here is that Gatsby is also trans. And although Nick says he'll help Gatsby win over Daisy, he starts to pine after him himself. There are other examples of queer relationships throughout. It's just an interesting look into what it was like to be queer in the 20s. There are um, a lot of interesting things going on with that. So again, Self-Made Boys by Anna Marie McLemore, the same, you know, excellent writing that they always have. You can go ahead and, you know, start your National Book Award long list TBR with that if you want. <laughs> you know what I mean? So yes, that is the first one I have for today. And I have to say, I love the cover. It's so gorgeous. It's so nice. It's so nice. It's kind of like, it's like serving like the Bridgerton feel with yes. like all the color, like the 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 hanging flowers. It's yes. really romantic and intense looking. I love it. Yes. It is really nice. My next pick is The Lesbianist Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes. Um, this was one of my favorite picks of the year. I Before it even landed on this long list, it is about Yami, who's 16, and she has just started Catholic school, which is this like swanky Catholic school with her brother Cesar. And they are there because her brother has been getting in trouble in public school and her mom was able to get them both into this Catholic school where she's hoping that they will, you know, be on the straight and narrow path. And Yami wanted to go with her little brother, which is kind of a sacrifice for her because her secret is that she is a lesbian and, you know, Catholic school is not very famously welcoming to lesbians. (gasps) And so she, but she was outed by her best friend before the book started, Mm. which is a big, horrible, Mm. awful no-no. And so she just wants an escape. And so she goes and she's thinking, I'm just going to play it straight. Like nobody has to know that I'm a lesbian. It's going to be fine. And that lasts for about five seconds before she meets Bo, who is an openly queer girl at school. And she's outspoken and she's willing to stand up to the Catholic school administration. And she's like pro-choice and she's smart. And like there's everything, everything about her. Yami's like, oh my gosh, I am in love. But remember, (laughs) she's pretending to be straight. So it's not Mm going to work out super well. Um, And then, you know, just throughout this, you've got a whole bunch of stuff going on. Yami's parents are together but her dad was deported a few years before the book started so they are living apart and that's really hard um he's living in mexico and they don't get to see him very often but also she's really worried about what is going to happen when her mom finds out that she is queer and then she's really worried about what's going on with her brother because it's clear that something's up with him she's really worried about money like there's just a lot of things going on in her life that she's trying to kind of keep a handle on and it's difficult so i just wanted to give content warning for discussion of mental health um suicides suicidal ideation um, there's nothing extremely graphic on the page, but just know that that is discussed and, and the book goes there. But then also homophobia and um, family estrangement, all that stuff. Like this is um, a book with a lot of like heavy issues, but at the same time, it's a really funny, bright book about a lot of hopeful things too. And I just really, really, really loved it. So that is The Lesbiana's Guide to Catholic School by Sonora Reyes. 
Yes, I remember you singing that one's praises. It is on the TBR, <laughs> firmly on the TBR. Haven't gotten to it yet, but it looks like I need to do that sooner rather than later. So that sounds... Also, that's another one that has a great cover, and I love the title. Yeah, it's <laughs> the title cinches it, yeah. It just cinches everything, yes. So the next one I have is a collection. It is called Our Shadows Have Claws, which I love that title. I'm like, yes, my shadow does have claws. Thank you very much. Um, so Our Shadows Have Claws. It's edited by Shamile Saeed Mendez. And okay, so I've mentioned before how I am like a very big weenie, like Weenie Hut Jr. level. Shout out to SpongeBob and all the real new ones who know what I'm talking about. But anyway, yes. So I am very easily scared. But I also sometimes gravitate to darker things, especially if they have like a mythological or folkloric element that I'm like super into them. And so this collection is very much like that. It's right up my alley because of it. It's also right in time for spooky season if you like are a seasonal or kind of mood based reader. So let me just start you off with this first line. It's by Chantel Acevedo. It goes... Be warned, this story is both a lesson and a curse. Most stories are. So like when I read that, I was like, ooh, right at the gate. It starts off very like dramatically. And I feel like that line kind of, it kind of like, for me, it kind of like sucks you in to the story and it kind of like makes your reality part of the story, at least to me. So um, there are vampires, zombies, cannibals, all these other scary creatures Um, But scariness isn't all it has going for it. Through these horrible creatures, gender, colorism, queerness, identity, environmentalism, colonialism, the history of colonialism, I should say, all those things get explored. And it has this like amazing lineup of Latin A, YA authors. So it's just, like I said, it's right in time for spooky season. And in any season, really, it's just, it's just really off. It's off the hook, as they used to say. So um, again, it's called Our Shadows Have Claws, edited by Shamile Saeed Mendez. Yeah, that looks really good. And that is another mm-hmm. really excellent title. Yes, it is. All right. Um, my next pick is Lulu and Milagro's Search for Clarity by Angela Velez. And it is about two sisters, Lulu, who is like straight A's, very focused. She can't wait to leave um, Baltimore and go to um, Stanford for college. And then her sister Milagro, who is a year older than her, and she's like not really too interested in college. She doesn't think it's for her. She, you know, to everybody's great surprise, has really good grades, but she is like not super into academics. So um, Lulu and Milagro have an older sister named Clara who went to college out of state and basically then had a falling out with their mom and they don't know what happened. And they haven't been able to get an answer out of their mom or their older sister. All they know is that their older sister hasn't been home in quite a while. So that kind of sets the stage for what happens when Milagro's plans to lose her virginity are thwarted and she is sent on a college um, road trip with her younger sister, Lulu. And so this is sponsored by their Catholic school. 
and they are trekking across the state, you know, the country, going, you know, cross state borders and visiting a bunch of colleges. And this is like Lulu's dream. And she doesn't really want Milagro tagging along. But along the way, both sisters learn a lot about themselves and each other. And they start, you know, really thinking about what they want in the future. For for Lulu, it means, you know, she's learning to maybe loosen up a little bit. Um, Milagro learns that college isn't just about, you know, sitting in stuffy lecture halls. It could be a time of exploration. And she has the grades to go. But then they also find out the truth about what happened between their mom and their older sister. So it's a really great road trip novel. It's a really great sister story. It's told from both sisters' perspectives. The voices are amazing. I really enjoyed it. And that is Lulu and Milagro's Search for Clarity by Angela Velez. Awesome. And I have heard you talk about that before. And it has also gone on my TBR. Yeah. It's a very interesting premise, I feel. And that's real. Like, I feel that. Like, her not wanting her sister to come. Like, geez, why are you here? Right. That's a real, like, sibling feeling. Like, when you're like, oh, my God. Like, your mom or whatever makes you take your younger. (laughs) It's like, why do I have to take them? Yes, I totally feel that. But yes. Okay. So the next one I have is American Street by Ibiza Boy. And this is about Fabiola Toussaint, who was born in the US actually, but she was raised in Haiti. And so she is, you know, Haitian by culture and she speaks Creole and everything like that, of course. And so her life gets turned upside down though, when she has to move from Haiti to Michigan, to Detroit specifically. And when she gets there, ICE actually detains her mother. So now here she is, totally new country, even though technically she was born there, but to her, for her experience growing up, it's totally new for her. So she's kind of like alone, basically. She moves in with her aunt and her three American cousins. So she's trying to adapt to this new environment but she's also still very much Haitian and she kind of gets punished for speaking Creole and it's just Creole is so very different from English. So just imagine like having to adapt to that. And um, so she's in Detroit, like I said, and she's not used to it. So you can imagine how dangerous it may be for someone in a city because the area they're in, it's a little like, let's say like kind of gritty. So it's very different from what she's used to. And just imagine how that could be for someone who's not used to being there. And the language is not something that they're used to speaking. So it's just hard to navigate that. So she is also trying to fit in at school um, and American society at large, as I mentioned before. So she's, there are all these new experiences and there's actually a little romance to it too, which is interesting But then there is this, (laughs) the book blurb calls it a dangerous proposition. So I'm going to use that same, same verbiage because I don't want to spoil anything. So I won't say what it is, but it kind of, I guess, reveals how life can really be in America. And I feel like it kind of, I don't know, it kind of shatters Again, that American dream that keeps coming up in the books that I'm reading, that theme. It kind of shatters the pristineness of that, I guess. So this book has a lot of like, you know, emotional moments, a lot of 
depth to it. There's also hope, though, and it's something that is can be a very, um, very touching story. So that is American Street by Ibi Zaboy. Yeah, I read that book too. It's also really great. And um, also, I think a National Book Award finalist, although not this year, it was when it came out a few years ago. Oh, nice. I didn't even realize that. I don't think I even saw that. Awesome. Yes. So I will talk about my next pick. But first, let's hear from a sponsor. All right. So my next book is Fat Chance Charlie Vega by Crystal Maldonado. And this is a really funny, sweet, heartfelt book about Charlie. She's half white, half Puerto Rican. And she has lost her father at the start of the book. So it's just her and her mom. And Charlie is this funny, artistic writer. She has lots of big dreams and big goals. Um, She's also fat. And she doesn't necessarily have a problem with being fat, except for like the fact that other people do. And so one of the things um, that's really difficult in her life is that her mom also used to be fat, but then after her dad died, her mom lost a ton of weight. And now her mom thinks that, you know, Charlie's life could be so much better if she also would lose a ton of weight. And it's making Charlie feel all sorts of things. Um, So Charlie has this best friend named Amelia who is skinny and she's popular and she's, you know, really wonderfully awesome. But when Charlie notices this guy named Brian, who she works with, and then she also um, goes to school with, they have this like really great connection and she's really excited because she's never had this romance before. And she's always dreamed of like what it would be like to have the sort of romance novel type of romance. Um, But then she finds out that Brian actually asked Amelia out before he asked her out. And that messes with her head, which As somebody who was once a teenage girl with like body image issues, oh yeah, that would have definitely messed with my head as well. So this is just like a really, really great coming of age story. I liked it a lot because it felt a lot like just kind of being wrapped up in being a normal teen. I mean, it's a contemporary story that kind of feels a little bit cozy because there are so many aspects of it that reminded me of my own teen years. And it's not necessarily like a flashy YA contemporary story, but it's got big heart. And I just really liked Charlie a lot. I felt like she was so real, like she was somebody that I could have been friends with when I was in high school. And so I just highly, highly recommend this book. It is Fat Chance Charlie Vega by Crystal Maldonado. Awesome. And the whole thing with like, it's so interesting when you think about like, Charlie doesn't have an issue with being fat. It's other people have an issue with her being fat. Right. And it's like, okay, so what's (laughs) that whole like, you know, fat phobia, if that's even like the right word to call it really fat hate whatever it's like what how is it your business mm-hmm. if I'm fat mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's just so it's like I don't know brainwashing and I'm like at a certain point fat body types were literally worshipped for like fertility but whatever we're not gonna get <laughs> <Right>. into that <laughs> let's not even get into that 
Okay, so the next book I have is a horror. Hmm. It is called Burn Down, Rise Up by Vincent Tirado. And it is, I haven't read this one yet. And I wanted to recommend it because this is another one that has a really cool cover. It has like a neon cover because it's newer and it sounds so interesting. So I wanted to recommend it even though it's been on my TBR for a minute. But it is billed as Stranger Things meets Get Out. It's a sapphic horror from a non-binary Afro-Latine author. And so basically in the Bronx, there are these mysterious mysterious disappearances going on and Raquel who is 16 she's kind of like do 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 you know like not paying attention to them I think trying not to because sometimes with those type of things well let me just say first she's kind of ignoring them because she knows that the police only look for white kids and white kids aren't necessarily the only ones or the ones going missing so sometimes with that it's kind of like you don't want to give too much attention to it because if you do you kind of start to become depressed Mm -hmm. so then she starts to pay more attention to it though when the cousin of her crush Charlize goes missing so now her mom has also come down with this mysterious sickness and that seems to also be linked to the disappearances. Cause so it's like, okay, now what is really, you know, that meme with Oprah, what is the truth? Yeah. <laughs> what? So what is the truth? So Raquel teams up with her crush slash hopeful future boo thing. And they start to investigate and it leads them to, exploring this urban legend called the Echo Game. And so the game is allegedly it like traps people in this terrible world that's located under the city. And I mean, that is very easy to believe. I lived in New York City and it does look kind of terrible down there. (laughs) (laughs) Right in the subway. Like it does. And it's interesting too. There are so many like potentially really cool things you could, you know, like um, do story wise with the subway. I remember one time a friend had a, we went on this particular route. I forgot where it was, probably in Soho. But we passed by this like abandoned subway line. And that was just like really interesting. Yeah. Like all we could see was, and I think the, I want to say the art was like, um, or the style of the subway station that was abandoned was like, um, was it called Art Nouveau? Oh, yeah, yeah. Art Deco-ish. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, like the tiles and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it was like, ooh, that's that's like creepy, but also kind of pretty and intriguing. So there is this terrible world underneath the city. And the rules of the game are based on a particularly terrible part of New York City's past, which you can just imagine what that entails. Mm-hmm. So if they want to bring the missing people back, specifically the people they you know, know and love, they're going to have to play this game and get rid of the evil at its source. But they could also die trying to do that. Yeah. Of course, you got to have stakes. So I think this sounds super interesting. It sounds like a very original premise. And like I said, I can t- totally see this being a thing. <laughs> based on my experiences. So again, that's Burn Down, Rise Up by Vincent Tirado. 
the cover for that book is so creepy and eerie. Like, I know I'm always bringing up the covers, but... No, it's important. It's this girl standing, looking over her shoulder with a baseball bat. And there's, like, claws Mm -hmm. coming out of the subway window. Yeah. And it's, like, it's super creepy. But then it's also, like, in neon color. So it's, like, which one is it? Right? So it's, like... It's, like, it's it's so Yeah, it's like, are we trying to disco or like, are you trying to like terrify me? Right. I love it. <laughs> Both. Um, exactly. Yeah. Oh, I'm just like, I because I, I hadn't heard of this book. So I'm glad you brought mm-hmm. it up. And then I looked up the cover and I was like, ooh. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's exciting. <laughs> yes. Um. So I love how you are going with like a lot of like the creepier vibes. And I'm like, mm-hmm. here's a fun contemporary story um (laughs) balance is important right um so my next pick is gabby a girl in pieces by isabel quintero and this is an older book um and i by older i think you know it's more than five years old but not more than 10 Mm -hmm. years old it's such a good book and i always take like every opportunity to shout about it because um, it has an interesting cover that I think is off-putting to some people, and it's not like conventionally attractive. But yeah. when you've read the book, the cover makes so much sense. So mm-hmm. Gabby, a girl in pieces, is about Gabby. She is a senior in high school. And she keeps a diary for the entire school year. And a lot happens in this school year. So she is also fat and also feels like, you know, she's struggling to kind of find her place in the world. She wants romance, but she's got like her very traditional and conservative mother telling her, you know, you got to be careful. Boys only want one thing. Like, don't give away your virginity. Mm. Um, So there's like a little bit of toxic purity culture going on she's got two wonderful best friends but over the course of the year her one best friend becomes pregnant and it's an unplanned pregnancy obviously her other best friend comes out as gay and is kicked out of the house um she's got a tough relationship with her dad and so all this time she's dealing with these things but she's also finding her voice and she discovers it through poetry And she really kind of comes into her own during this year. Um, What I like about this book is that it is epistolary. So it's told in the form of her diary. And it's so realistic. Like, I love how there are some days where she'll, like, write an entry and be like, today was Halloween. Nothing happened. And, like, that's, that's like, (laughs) the entry. Or, like, it was boring. (laughs) And then she moves on and she talks about, you know, other things. And I always feel like it's really difficult to, like, tell a story and like hit the beats of a story and like be able to tell the reader enough about this like the world and what's going on with the characters while also making it feel like believable as a journal Mm. or a diary because Mm. you know when you're writing a journal or a diary you're not actually sitting there being like well dear reader let me tell you about you know so it's it's very I think a difficult medium or different storytelling style to pull off but it's done really really well here Mm -hmm. and it's very emotional and it's ultimately like pretty hopeful and uplifting and affirming but you know heads up for homophobia for fat phobia 
for death, drug use. Um, and I'm trying to remember if there's anything else. It's been a couple of years since I've read this book, but I love this book so, so, so much. And if you've ever looked at the cover, which features like this sort of collage style in like chartreuse and orange. And um, what was the word that you used to describe this cover? A little grotesque. So, like, yeah, it looks like a little... And visceral. And visceral. Grotesque and visceral. Those yeah. are both really good words. But like the book feels very visceral and not necessarily yeah. grotesque, but they're like, it's a deep dive into some like very unpleasant topics that make people uncomfortable. And... I feel like the cover, once you know that like the art on the cover is supposed to represent an art project that she does in in school, like you're like, oh, it makes so much sense. But I've also known that people have not picked up this book because the cover like kind of squicks them out. So that's why I just wanted to chat about this book because it's so great. Um, So that is Gabby, A Girl in Pieces by Isabel Quintero. I like that you give these disclaimers for the cover. It's funny because we were talking about this before, but I do feel like people who would see the cover and have never heard of the book, the people who would like, like the cover and be like into that would probably be looking for something that is more like speculative, like you said before, before we got on the call Um, or like even like maybe a little horror based. But once you say that it's more so like her inner workings and what she's going through, I feel like, that combined with the cover make it even more interesting. Mm-hmm. So, and chartreuse. I love when people say chartreuse. We don't it's, we don't say chartreuse enough. I just want to say that specific color. Like you say purple, and think people can think of like so many different things, but chartreuse yeah. is specific. Is very specific. I have exactly in mind what you're saying when you say chartreuse. But yes, yeah, I feel like such a good selection. It is got some. Horror, we've got some contemporary, (laughs) we've got some tongue tying going on, Um, we've got some contemporary, little dashes of romance, I mean. Historical, yeah. Historical. A little bit of everything. A little bit of this and that, you know? Yeah. Definitely read these books, read these books year round, not just during this month of Latin Heritage Mm -hmm. Month, like. There are so many really great books out there. And you said it was a great selection, and I agree. But it's also a very small selection, so. Yes, very true. This is our um, semi-regular plea to make sure you're reading diversely. There are so many great books out there. And, like, I didn't even know about Burn Down, Rise Up. So I'm excited about that one. I'm going to go look it up in my library. I'm glad I shared that. Me too. I'm glad I, I'm glad I shared that with you then because I'm like if you, if Teresa hasn't heard about it, I'm, I'm good job. Yeah. Here. Do, <laughs> let me I am not all knowing when it comes yeah. to YA, but what? What? Sometimes, I don't believe. You. Sometimes things get past <laughs> me, and I do think like, how did that get past me? But yeah, because there's so many. There like I said, like there's so many really great books coming out. Uh, in YA the past few years it's just like like I said I haven't read that book but I've been meaning to I haven't gotten to it yet yeah. it's just but it looks really good now now me talking about it again I'm like ooh, I want to read it like, yeah. <laughs> once we get off the call even but yes yeah go read all the things it'll be fun so 
thank you so much for tuning in. Um, we could talk more, but we are running out of time. So mm-hmm. please feel free to leave us feedback about the show on Apple Podcasts or Spotify because those reviews let us know how we're doing, but they also help others find us. And you can also always email us at heyya at bookriot.com with um, feedback, suggestions, and requests. And don't forget to visit bookriot.com for newsletters, more podcasts, and all things bookish. Thanks again to today's sponsors for making the show possible. And thanks to our awesome audio editor, Jen Sink. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram. I hang out at, at Tears of Price. And Erica, how about you? I'm at Erica underscore EZE underscore on Twitter. Awesome. Um, well, we will see you again in two weeks. Until then, happy reading. Happy reading. Happy reading.